Barbecue Central Show, let's go. The number one barbecue show on the low. Your host, Greg Rampy, the grilling master, spreading the info, getting to you faster, asking tough questions and having a blast. The Barbecue Central Show is here at last. The best moments of the Barbecue Central Show in 10 minutes or less. Come on, let's go. Greetings, everyone. Welcome to the best moments of the Barbecue Central show in 10 minutes or less. I'm your host, John Solberg. Today, the show is pulled from August 23rd, 2011. Malcolm Reed stopped by to talk to Greg about barbecue texture. We're going to get to Malcolm in just a few minutes. But first, let's get to know Bubba Latimer just a bit. Bubba is a competition cook as well as a restaurateur. The best moments of the Barbecue Central show in 10 minutes or less. Come on, let's go. Bubba Blatimer joining us here on the show. All right, Bubba, so for the people that might not know you, let's go ahead and back up a little bit here since we have time. Uh, for those that aren't familiar with barbecue, uh, you, your wife Shannon, how did you get into this whole barbecue deal? I mean, was barbecue something that was just, you know, in your family when you were growing up and it's something that you just got into down the road? Or perhaps was it not around you and this is something you just happened into later in life? Well, it, it really is something that happened later in life. Um, I've just, I've always enjoyed the grilling and the, the smoking aspect of it. How I got into the business itself, I, I had another company where I dealt with the food service industry. And during, during that, I thought that I would like to have a restaurant. And if I ever did anything, it would be barbecue. And literally what happened, a customer of ours that we dealt with um, had a location. They moved down the road. And I went and uh, looked at it. Two hours later, told my wife, hey, guess what? This is what we're going to do. So that was November of 2004. We opened up our first restaurant in Jasper, and it really was just kind of one of these things where I said, you know, hey, we're going to do this, and we sink or swim. And then somehow or another, I ended up talking to people that were in the contest part of the barbecue world, uh, went out, a guy asked me to come cook with him one weekend. I went and spent Saturday with him. Called my wife and told her, hey, we're going to go spend a bunch more money. And two weeks later, did my first contest. And the first contest I did was in May of 06 and won that, which is the worst thing in the world that could have happened to <laughs> yeah, me because right. hook, line, and sinker, and five years later, and several hundred thousand dollars, and tens of thousands of miles, here we are today. When you made that initial purchase, uh, since you've been competing for five years, what did you buy for a cooker at that point? Well, for my competition cooking, I started off with a Lang 84, you know, and I spent about four or five months running around with tables strapped to the top of my Suburban and my cooker and coolers and just did our thing, you know, like anybody else in out there, you, you get into it and you, you find out what you need, what you don't need. And I remember meeting Ron Montgomery and one of the comments he had made to me was that people that typically tend to do well have accommodations. 
and a couple months <laughs> after that, we got our, our first trailer and have just, just moved on from there. All right, so you, you got into a Lang. What are you using now? I use now, I as Stumps is the product that I use when I compete, and I've got, I'm on my third, no, fourth Stumps unit uh, now. I started with a uh, 223, and then I went to an Elite model, which they no longer make, then last year, I cooked on a stump stretch, and then up until um, April of this year, I used that, uh, that stretch, and then we have now a modified version of his classic. Is that something that you plan on sticking with, those type of vertical or cabinet smokers? I mean, going from a Lang to a Stumps, obviously a big departure. You're working with an offset cooker in a Lang, and then to go to a Stumps, uh, more charcoal-driven than anything else with wood chunks probably for smoke flavor. Was that a ability to, to get rest during a competition as well? Because obviously with a Lang, you're feeding that thing probably every you know 45 minutes to an hour, depending on what kind of fire you're running. Yeah, then you know that's exactly it. You know, as you really get into uh, the barbecue and you start learning how many different types of pits really are out there, you know, I I really like the idea of the insulated gravity feed cookers. And so I went uh, to a contest in Birmingham a few years ago and literally drove over and bought a the, my first stops. Came back and used it that weekend and. There was definitely a learning curve on it because it is such a different cook from the stick burner to that. Uh, but what what I found is I, I I like the way that it cooks. It's you know environment really don't matter rain, hail, sleet, snow, any of that. And once you learn how to cook on it and set it up, you know you can you can still get some rest. You can produce great products on the product. And at the same time, if, if you're somebody like myself that is doing, you know, 35 to 40 contests a year, you're not worried about spinning up the, the entire night just feeding that thing with, with the fuel. You know, I'm not one of the, the hot and fast cookers like some of the other guys out there. So, you know, for me, I found that it, that it works great. They're wonderful pieces of equipment, and, you know, they, they, they work great. What were some of the things that you wish someone would have told you to help your uh, ramp up or learning curve? You know, the, the biggest thing that I wish I knew in the very beginning and the biggest piece of advice that I actually give anybody is keeping things simple. You know, it's that's the same thing we do with the food at our restaurants and realistically what I do when I compete. You know, I've I've done a lot of fancy ingredients. You hear about things, you see things, uh, but ultimately, I think barbecue is it, it's a simple product. And if you can focus on that and find flavor profiles that appeal to the masses, that's really what works out best. Uh, um, you know, I've spent a lot of money on different ingredients, and that doesn't mean that you're going to produce that much more of a product, you know, so, um, you know, ultimately sticking to the basics 
and you don't have to bring everything from your house out to compete. You know, keep it to the minimals, uh, have a schedule together, and just run with it. I didn't know if I was going to actually ask this or not, but since you made mention that you cook lower than, you know, probably the, the majority of people that are out there, you know, doing it as much as you do. A lot of power cookers out there cooking the hot and fast. I had a conversation with a gentleman uh, based out of Chicago who runs the Amazing Ribs website who said that, uh, you know, barbecue is, is evolving and you can't have this revisionist, uh, non or, or only traditional uh, definition of barbecue, which to me is between 200 to 250 degrees and it's done with wood smoke and all this stuff. And I made a point to him that I would not be somebody who relents, that I would not be, or I would continue to be a revisionist, and that uh, what the majority of people seem to be doing, or at least we hear about in competition cooking, this uh, the butter poaching of chicken, uh, you know, brisket and pork and ribs at, at 350, 400 degrees, in my term, is not even barbecue. It's some, like, bastard version of what we attempt to do out in the backyard. Would you agree or disagree with that? Um, I kind of disagree with that, you know, and the re the reason uh, being, <laughs> we all have different perceptions of what something should be. Uh, you know, if you want to say that I'm more of a purist and we tend to go the low and slow method, method um, then that's what you say. But in, in the last several years, and I, I guess if anybody wants to attribute anything to the power cooking, you know, I think Myron pretty much started that whole thing and has had a lot of success. And there's a lot of other teams that have had great success with it as well. Uh, you know, I mean, you've got Tuffy, Mike Davis, uh, just to name a couple right off the top of my head. You know, Trig, I mean, these guys have have turned that into a, a way that, that they can cook. And uh, obviously, they're putting out a great product. You know, we also, you know, if something has happened at the restaurant and something's happened, you know, we've power cooked there. I've had to power cook in my stumps cookers before because of something that happened out there. Um, I, I still think that you can still produce a great product, plus meat products themselves have changed over the last 15, 20 years. And so you, you have different contents of, of fat and the way that the texture of meat itself is out there. And, you know, ultimately, however you cook, if the end product is something that you enjoy or the people eating it enjoy then I don't think that it really matters how it was done. Now, when I say that, I don't agree with cooking something in an oven all day long with liquid smoke and sodium <laughs> nitrates and all of that and just throwing a bunch of barbecue sauce on it. That's kind of, uh, you know, well, that's just not barbecue in my, my opinion. You still have to have, you know, wood and smoke and all of that. Best moments of the Barbecue Central Show In 10 minutes or less Come on, let's go so Let's not waste any more time We'll race over to the hotline And uh, bring up who is uh, now becoming a regular on the show It's Pitmaster of Killer Hogs Barbecue Team Malcolm Reed joining us here on the show Malcolm, how are you, buddy? Man, I'm good, Greg. How are you? I'm absolutely fantastic, Malcolm. I appreciate you making time for the show tonight. And, you know, Always. I was saying in the, in the uh, very open of the show when I was talking, teasing who was going to be on the show, that, you know, you, you have this website, How to BBQ Right, and, of course, you have your uh, Killer Hogs website as well, killerhogs.com. 
and uh, you sign up, you get this uh, email newsletter. Uh, is it once a month that you do it, or you do it twice a month? Uh, you know, I've, here lately, I've been trying to do one every every week, but, you know, sometimes I skip, you know how it is, but just when I feel like I've got something relative to say, I'll go ahead and jot it down and send it out. To there you go. So, uh, you know, another one of these emails has hit my inbox. I'm like, yeah, God damn, you know, here's Malcolm again coming up with a great idea. about a texture of barbecue and uh, overdone no texture barbecue and i think this is kind of where that consuming general public has i don't want to say ruined barbecue in restaurants but the expectation of what is good barbecue uh, perhaps is not even good barbecue at all so let's talk about texture first and more specifically overdone barbecue what does it taste like what does it feel like in your mouth give it that texture well you know the to me, overdone, when I say overdone barbecue, I'm talking about meat that it, no matter where it's pork butt, ribs, brisket, it, when, when you when you take a bite of it, it's just kind of like mush. It, it's almost like it takes on a peanut butter texture, and that's, you know, to me, that's overcooked. And, and there's so much of it out there people are trying to pass off as good barbecue. That's, you know, that's, that's what... Well, got me to write this whole newsletter about it. So whose fault is this, Malcolm? I mean, we love to place blame here on the show. I love to point the finger as long as it's not at me. Are we looking at, let's say, uh, you know, there's a Damon's, a, a place for ribs out there, which is like a national chain, or you have Applebee's, you have, you know, Tony Roma's, where... They serve you these, let's, uh, for lack of a better barbecue, I mean, every, everybody knows ribs. Um, they want to almost like take, uh, get a rack of ribs, serve them on a plate, and then be able to grab the bone and just like extract it right out of the meat. I mean, this is not what we're looking for. Yeah, you know, and that's what got the general public so confused over it. They think just because, you know, the meat's falling off the bone that it's done. Look, me and you both know that. If you, if you pick up a bone and the meat's laying there, that meat's so far gone. It's not it's, all you're going to taste is the sauce they put on it. You know, you're not even going to get anything from the meat. So, do you think that there is a possibility that at some point in time the consuming public will will ever be educated to what a a properly cooked barbecue is going to be? Or as long as these restaurants are out passing off their half-assed barbecue, uh, we're kind of at a disadvantage when we're looking to spread the gospel of correct barbecue. Yeah, I hope I hope so one day, and you know that's why I do what I do and try to get the word out. But I mean, if you know people keep eating the stuff and thinking it's good, it's almost like you're fighting the losing battle. I mean, you know, it's it. You know, you had said in the email, in your opinion, there's lots of folks out there that don't know jack about good barbecue, and then you kind of went into a paragraph about one of the key factors to have in your arsenal uh, to kind of monitor how good barbecue is being cooked. What is that? A meat thermometer. That's the number one thing you got to have. And I don't care, you know, if it's just a $5 job that, that, you know, you can get at Walmart or if it's one of the fancy thermopins. I mean, you got to have something that you can, you can get the internal temps on that meat. You know, we're talking pork butts. I'm going 198. Briskets, I'm pulling them right at 198 as well. Those two stay about the same. I mean, you'll see different people talk about different temperatures on them, but the, the way I cook them and the way I help people, you know, when they're, when they're asking me what to cook to, I tell them for butts and briskets, shoot for that 198. If you take it up into 200 or higher, chances are it's going to be overdone. Um, with chicken, you know, I don't let it go near as far. It goes to, you know, 185, and it's done. 
and that's going to get the, the texture of the skin right exactly how you want it, plus the meat won't be dry. Now, ribs, that's like you said, I've never stuck a slab of ribs, so I have no idea what the internals are on them. But, you know, you have to know how to, you have, you have to, know how to do a bend test on a slab of ribs, what the bone should feel like, and that just comes from experience with cooking them. I mean, I can sit here and tell you that, you know, you put, pick a slab of ribs up, you hear people talk about the bend break test. Well, if you pick it up and it breaks, to me, that's overdone. It should bend and sag a little, but you don't want it to snap. I mean, once that meat's broke, you know, it's, it's already went too far. You can wiggle the bones a little, and if they feel like they're about to let go, but there's still some pull there, that's right at the perfect spot on ribs, too. Malcolm Reed joining us here on the show. He is pitmaster of Killer Hogs competition cooking team and uh, also howtobbqright.com, a great uh, barbecue resource that I have been uh, perusing more and more, I found myself, because lots of great info on there, Malcolm. Uh, so let's talk about the perfect texture for barbecue. I mean, obviously, we're talking about a few different meats here, but you know, if you want to start with you know, the four main KCBS categories and kind of go down, what do you think perfect texture for these are? Well, when I, um, perfect texture, let's start with chicken. When, I'm, when I want to bite into a piece of chicken, I want it to, first, I, I want the skin to bite through. That's just obvious because that's what your goal is. But then when you bite into the meat, you should know that you're biting into a piece of meat. You know, it has some resistance to it. And this goes for ribs, pork, and brisket. There, there, should, there should be a little bit of resistance, but when you, when you get it in your mouth and on your tongue, you know you're eating meat. That's, you know, kind of what I said in my newsletter that you probably read. But the same, you know, you don't want it to just disintegrate, and that goes for ribs and, and pork and, and brisket. Now, when I'm biting ribs, I want to take away the bite, and I, don't, and I want the rest of the meat to stay there on the bone. I don't want to pull off and strip a bone back, you know, have a glob of meat fall on my chest and some of it in my mouth. That's not, you know, that's overdone ribs. And when you're judging ribs, that's, just, you know, that's what you look for. You want to just see the bite you take away, the rest of it there on the bone. Um, it's a little different with pork butt. Um, when I when I look at a piece of pork butt, I like to get it and fill it in my hands first. I give it what's called like a, a press test. I'll mash it between my thumb and fingers and see if you know how it feels. And if, if you mash straight through it and the meat just separates, well, it's overdone. But if it gives you a little bounce back, you're, it's right in the right range, and that's that's what it should have. And then you take a bite of it and see how it does in your mouth. And it, it you know. It should just feel like it feels right when you're eating it. You know, it feels like a piece of meat, and it doesn't just disintegrate. That's what I can't stress more when, when I talk about overdone mushy. That, that's it's, it's almost like peanut butter. That's the best way to describe it. And brisket's kind of the same way. It it, it, it should pull a little, but not pull apart, and then it should have a texture to it as well. How how do we achieve the perfect barbecue texture in these uh, these three steps that basically it all comes down to? Well, first, you you got to know what internal temperatures you're going to take whatever piece of meat it is you're cooking to. And once you know that, you're going to have to have a good, good thermometer and a way to monitor it the whole time you're cooking it. And so when you get it to there, you got to know how to get it off the heat and rest it. And that's the only three things that you have to know how to do to get it to the right place. I mean, you can... You can say, you know, I get questions all the time about how long is it going to take to cook ribs, how long is it going to take to cook a brisket. Well, that's just a generalization, you know. You can nothing cooks exactly to a timeline. It's always to that to that internal temperature. You you do have you definitely have to watch the carryover, especially if it's wrapped. Um, number one thing, what I do is 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 take it and vent it as soon as it comes off the heat. 
I'm going to open up whatever foil I have on it or however I have it, if I have it wrapped in a pan or whatever, get the juice off and get the steam off. Because if you don't, that's going to continue cooking that meat. And usually I say, you know, 10, 15 minutes venting, letting the heat, the direct heat get off of it after you pulled it off a smoker, lets it stabilize. And then you can go to your Cambro or Carlisle Food Warmer or whatever you have, uh, just a dry cooler, and it won't hurt you as bad. Now, the more meat you put in something like that, the more heat you're going to have in it, and you still have to factor it in. But, you know, it's... I've even seen, you know, used a probe thermometer in my food carrier just to make sure that I'm not in the, anywhere cooking. You know, I want to be around 140 holding, you know, is where you'd like to be ideally. But you don't want it hotter than the meat you're putting in there. You're going to get carryover. And it's just something that you have. You always have to factor that if you're going to hold it for any amount of time. And there you have it from August 23rd, 2011, Malcolm Reed and Bubba Latimer. There's a lot more information in these interviews. Head on over to thebbqcentralshow.com, search Malcolm Reed, search Bubba Latimer, search whatever you want to to find out if there's an episode about the subject. While you're there, be sure you click on the subscribe button. Never miss an episode of the Barbecue Central Show or this show again. Until next time on the best moments of the Barbecue Central Show in 10 minutes or less, I'm your host, John Solberg. And I will talk to you soon. The best moments of the Barbecue Central Show. In 10 minutes or less, come on, let's go.